0: Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Discourse on the Method of Rightly Conducting the Reason and Seeking Truth in the Sciences by René Descartes Part 5A I would here willingly have proceeded to exhibit the whole chain of truths which I deduced from these primary, but as with a view to this, it would have been necessary now to treat of many questions in dispute among the learned, with whom I do not wish to be embroiled. I believe that it will be better for me to refrain from this exposition, and only mention in general what these truths are, that the more judicious may be able to determine whether a more special account of them would conduce to the public advantage. I have ever remained firm in my original resolution to suppose no other principle than that of which I have recently availed myself in demonstrating the existence of God and of the soul, and to accept as true nothing that did not appear to me more clear and certain than the demonstrations of the geometers had formerly appeared. And yet I venture to state that not only have I found means to satisfy myself in a short time on all the principal difficulties which are usually treated of in philosophy, but I have also observed certain laws established in nature by God, in such a manner, and of which he has impressed on our minds such notions, that after we have reflected sufficiently upon these, we cannot doubt that they are accurately observed in all that exists or takes place in the world. and farther. By considering the concatenation of these laws, it appears to me that I have discovered many truths more useful and more important than all I had before learned, or even had expected to learn. But because I have essayed to expound the chief of these discoveries in a treatise, which certain considerations prevent me from publishing, I cannot make the results known more conveniently than by here giving a summary of the contents of this treatise. It was my design to comprise in it all that, before I set myself to write it, I thought I knew of the nature of material objects. But like the painters who, finding themselves unable to represent equally well, on a plain surface, all the different faces of a solid body, select one of the chief, on which alone they make the light fall, and throwing the rest into the shade, allow them to appear only in so far as they can be seen while looking at the principal one. So, fearing lest I should not be able to compense in my discourse all that was in my mind, I resolved to expound singly, though at considerable length, my opinions regarding light, then to take the opportunity of adding something on the sun and the fixed stars, since light almost wholly proceeds from them, on the heavens since they transmit it, on the planets, comets, and earth since they reflect it and particularly on all the bodies that are upon the earth, since they are either colored or transparent or luminous, and finally on man, since he is the spectator of these objects. Further, to enable me to cast this variety of subjects somewhat into the shade, and to express my judgment regarding them with greater freedom, without being necessitated to adopt or refute the opinions of the learned, I resolve to leave all the people here to their disputes and to speak only of what would happen in a new world if God were now to create somewhere in the imaginary spaces matter sufficient to compose one, and were to agitate variously and confusedly the different parts of this matter, so that there resulted a chaos as disordered as the poets ever feigned, and after that did nothing more than lend his ordinary concurrence to nature, and allow her to act in accordance with the laws which he had established. On this supposition, I, in the first place, described this matter, and essayed to represent it in such a manner that to my mind there can be nothing clearer and more intelligible, except what has been recently said regarding God and the soul. For I even expressly supposed that it possessed none of those forms or qualities which are so debated in the school's nor in general anything, the knowledge of which is not so natural to our minds, that no one can so much as imagine himself ignorant of it. Besides, I have pointed out what are the laws of nature. And, with no other principle upon which to found my reasonings except the infinite perfection of God, I endeavored to demonstrate all those about which there could be any room for doubt, and to prove that they are such, that even if God had created more worlds, there could have been none in which these laws were not observed. Thereafter, I showed how the greatest part of the matter of this chaos must, in accordance with these laws, dispose and arrange itself in such a way as to present the appearance of heavens. How in the meantime, some of its parts must compose an earth, and some planets and comets, and others a sun and fixed stars. And, making a digression at this stage on the subject of light, I expounded at considerable length what the nature of that light must be, which is found in the sun and the stars, and how thence, in an instant of time, it traverses the immense spaces of the heavens, and how from the planets and comets it is reflected towards the earth. To this I likewise added much respecting the substance, the situation, the motions, and all the different qualities of these heavens and stars so that I thought I had said enough respecting them to show that there is nothing observable in the heavens or stars of our system that must not, or at least may not appear precisely alike in those of the system which I described. I came next to speak of the earth in particular, and to show how, even though I had expressly supposed that God had given no weight to the matter of which it is composed, this should not prevent all its parts from tending exactly to its center. How with water and air on its surface, the disposition of the heavens and heavenly bodies, more especially of the moon, must cause a flow and ebb, like in all its circumstances to that observed in our seas, as also a certain current both of water and air from east to west, such as is likewise observed between the tropics. How the mountains, seas, fountains, and rivers might naturally be formed in it, and the metals produced in the mines and the plants grow in the fields and, in general, how all the bodies which are commonly denominated, mixed or composite, might be generated, and, among other things in the discoveries alluded to, inasmuch as besides the stars, I knew nothing except fire which produces light. I spared no pains to set forth all that pertains to its nature, the manner of its production, and support, and to explain how heat is sometimes found without light and light without heat, to show how it can induce various colors upon different bodies and other diverse qualities, how it reduces some to a liquid state and hardens others, how it can consume almost all bodies, or convert them into ashes and smoke, and finally, how from these ashes, by the mere intensity of its action, it forms glass. For as this transmutation of ashes into glass appeared to me as wonderful as any other in nature, I took a special pleasure in describing it. I was not, however, disposed, from these circumstances, to conclude that this world had been created in the manner I described, for it is much more likely that God made it at the first such as it was to be. But this is certain, and an opinion commonly received among theologians, that the action by which he now sustains it is the same with that by which he originally created it, so that even although he had from the beginning given it no other form than that of chaos, provided only he had established certain laws of nature, and had lent it his concurrence to enable it to act as it is wont to do, it may be believed, without discredit to the miracle of creation, that in this way alone things purely material might, in course of time, have become such as we observe them at present. And their nature is much more easily conceived when they are beheld coming in this manner gradually into existence than when they are only considered as produced at once in a finished and perfect state. From the description of inanimate bodies and plants, I passed to animals, and particularly to man, But since I had not as yet sufficient knowledge to enable me to treat of these in the same manner as of the rest, that is to say, by deducing effects from their causes, and in what manner nature must produce them, I remained satisfied with the supposition that God formed the body of man wholly like to one of ours, as well in the external shape of the members as in the internal conformation of the organs, of the same matter with that I had described and at first placed in it no rational soul, nor any other principle, in room of the vegetative or sensitive soul, beyond kindling in the heart one of those fires without light, such as I had already described, and which I thought was not different from the heat in hay that has been heaped together before it is dry, or that which causes fermentation in new wines before they are run clear of the fruit. For when I examined the kind of functions which might, As consequences of this supposition exist in this body, I found precisely all those which may exist in us independently of all power of thinking, and consequently without being in any measure owing to the soul. In other words, to that part of us which is distinct from the body, and of which it has been said above that the nature distinctively consists in thinking, functions in which the animal's void of reason may be said wholly to resemble us but among which I could not discover any of those that, as dependent on thought alone, belong to us as men, while, on the other hand, I did afterwards discover these as soon as I supposed God to have created a rational soul, and to have annexed it to this body in a particular manner which I described. But, in order to show how I there handled this matter, I mean here to give the explication of the motion of the heart and arteries. Which, as the first and most general motion observed in animals, will afford the means of readily determining what should be thought of all the rest. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow,